0: This is the Yale University Press podcast. I'm Jessica Hollihan, and I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Alexandra Truitt, who's here to talk about the book, Yield The Journal of an Artist by Anne Truitt. Professionally, Alexandra Truitt is a picture editor. She's also one of Anne Truitt's three children. Anne Truitt was a renowned American artist best known for large-scale, minimalist, often colorful sculptures. Her work is in the permanent collection of many, many museums. She was the subject of one-person exhibitions at the Whitney in 1973, the Corcoran Gallery of Art in 1974, the Baltimore Museum of Art in 1974 and 1992, and in 2009, five years after Anne Truitt's death in 2004, the Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden, organized an acclaimed retrospective of her work. During her lifetime, she also published three volumes of her journals, which are in chronological order, Daybook, Turn, and Prospect, all of which have received widespread praise and are admired not just by visual artists, but by creative people of all kinds for the beautiful and specific way they illuminate the creative process. We at Yale University Press are honored to publish Yield, a final volume of Ann Truitt's journals, comprising journals that she kept from the winter of 2001 to the spring of 2002. Rachel Kushner has contributed a foreword to this volume, and Alexandra has written the preface. Alexandra, welcome and thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: The the three earlier volumes, Daybook, Turn, and Prospect, were all put together not only during Anne's lifetime, but very much with her active involvement. Would you talk a little bit at first about the decision to turn these writings from 2001 and 2002 into a book?
1: Yes, I would be happy to. The decision to turn these writings into a book came about because I had been compiling my mother's writing uh, pretty much since the 90s, when in 1987, my mother decided to donate her papers to the Bryn Mawr Library, the Bryn Mawr uh, College Library. And during the course of helping her organize those papers, I realized that she had written a lot more than I ever knew that she had. I had been keeping her art records since 1974, but I had no idea that she had written so much short stories, poems, an earlier journal from 1948, 49. And while, while helping her to organize the papers, I sort of looked at them briefly. But then when I went back to Bryn Mawr in the 90s, I realized there was this incredible trove of material where she talked about being an artist, about being a writer, her process, her interest in esoteric writings. There was just like this amazing amount of material. And so I began compiling uh, talks, uh, correspondence, uh, book reviews, interviews. And during the course of putting together that material, which will be published as Selected Writings, also by Yale. One of the things that I remembered was that my mother said she had left behind these notebooks that were a fourth book, that she had thought about publishing the fourth volume, but that she decided to concentrate on her artwork, her visual work. So during the course of putting together these writings and transcribing all these Older writings, I remembered these notebooks and we began to transcribe them. And as we transcribed them, I wasn't sure if it was a book. And so I excerpted it for the selected writings. But then when I submitted the book to Yale, Catherine Baller said, You know, what is this yield? I think it may be a book. And I think that then we went back, looked at the notebooks transcribed them completely, and the book came came together. It came together as a complete book, all the excerpts included, which had not been the case with the earlier books. Daybook, Turn, and Prospect were all compiled from journals that um, were kept over a much longer period. Daybook was published in 1982 from notebooks that were kept from 74 to 80. Turn was published in 1986 from journals that were kept from 82 to 84. Prospect was published in 1996 from journals that go from 91 to 92. So Yield is actually the only book where all the excerpts are included. It's it's almost as if it wasn't a selection from a wide number of years of journals. So Yield was actually a, a kind of a book that she wrote rather than journals that she kept that were excerpted. So Yield is a little bit unusual in that it's, I don't know, just completely composed by her rather than... Uh, selected excerpts from lots of journals, which she all did with Nan Graham.
0: Reading the book obviously feels like reading someone's journal. There are dates associated with particular entries, but it is very, very book-like. You know, you start it and it and it's compelling, and it and it carries you along in a way that you know certainly certainly reading my journals would not do. Mm. Um, so were there any particular revelations for you? And her writings from this period of time, I'll, I, I was struck, for example, by a statement in, in this book that I that I read and noted. Uh, she says, I tend to forget that my work can mean something to someone else. I mean, this is an artist who has had multiple, um, you know, one person shows in major museums. And it was startling to me that 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 would still be a way that she could feel,
1: I guess. The biggest revelation about Yield is how she was able to write a book rather than writing journal entries that then later would be edited into a book. And the way she did it all by herself without an editor, almost as if she'd learned from the previous three books, a methodology that was her style. And so, in these journals that we transcribed, there were um, she had crossed out and edited the all the notebooks. So, a revelation for me is that she really just wrote a book rather than separate entries. Yeah. In in one of the entries,
0: um, and I'll I think I'll read from it a little bit. It, she she encounters um, the work of two young Italian artists. I'll read from from, this is, uh, from the book. Two young Italian artists who use the internet as an art medium have initiated a project they call life sharing, virtually total access to their computer These records can be downloaded in a variety of languages and because they are so comprehensive, the artists claim that they effectively constitute their lives, the content of their art. Also that the way in which the computer accepts and uses data by inference is comparable to the way a brush accepts and moves paint and is a valid extension of traditional artistic devices. Authorities at the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis agree they commissioned life sharing I do not disagree, I think of Edwin Abbott's Flatland, the extension of a geography that is perfectly logical, but I do find I miss Robert Motherwell's quote, "'Something in you that rises simply, beautifully, "'and unpredictably as the flight of a bird.'" And she goes on to say that in her judgment, the Italian artists are quote, "'Mistaking accuracy for truth.'" Um, which was a a compelling line for me. Would you agree that both accuracy and truth were very important to Anne Truitt and in fact essential to both her writing and her visual art?
1: Yes, I would agree with that. And I think that what she's uh, getting at there or talking about is writing about is something that she talked about a lot, which was how the idiosyncratic experience of the artist informed the work. And it was your own experience and your own truth that informed the work and gave the work meaning so that something like data or recording of experience isn't the same as uh, putting your experience into the work. I think that's what she was talking about. And that, you know, every artist has a a different experience and they examine that experience within themselves and make that work out of that experience. So they're essentially giving themselves away, their individual individualness.
0: Mm. Uh, speaking of individual experience, one, one of the themes, you mentioned themes that kind of run through this whole book. And one of the themes here, you know, she reaches the age of 80 in the book. And she she talks in a number of different ways about feeling alienated from her own body, both, you know, in the context of sort of uh, the the discomforts of aging, but also in really a more, I mean, she, you know, she talks about having dreams and waking up and feeling completely not in her own body. Do you think that this influenced her art making and or her relationship to the art that she had already made, given that her art is so corporeal? I mean, there, her art in, in, in a way is bodies, you know, she makes these bodies and as her feelings about her own body change, did that did that affect her feelings about her art, do you think?
1: Yes, I do think it did. And I think in exactly the ways she describes in in Yield, um, she was a keen observer of her uh physicality. And when she would often say, When I was younger, I made this. And then as I Got older, I was unable to climb a ladder and had to go more slowly. Or uh, she was unable to work for eight hours at a time. She worked for four hours at a time and then rested and worked for four more hours. But I think that what I think that despite what she observed in her body, I think that her intention and her uh, drive was as strong in the 2000s as it was in the 60s and she often talked in the in her later years of having to fulfill what she began in the 60s so her you know she drove herself despite the physical uh challenges of getting older But honestly, her vigor never, never waned in her work. She was as fierce and as determined as she was as I ever, as I ever knew her, you know. And her studio practice never faltered. She worked in the studio up until, you know, up until the time she died.
0: Would you talk about her encounter with her cousin Alice? Actually, her third cousin Alice comes to visit her, um, over the course of the time she was keeping these journals and she writes about having quite a profound connection to Alice. And then somewhere toward the end of the visit, uh, Alice tells her that she doesn't understand her art. Um, And, you know, there's not... Too much of I don't remember too much of of a reaction that is of Anne Truitt offering a reaction within the journals of hearing this person say that although she did of course make note of it. Um, Can you share anything you know about that visit and that interaction?
1: That's one of my favorite parts of the book. I think it's it's hilarious because you know that's the kind of anecdote that you know we would we would tell about our mother you know and how she. would talk with people who didn't understand her work. And uh, so it's the kind of anecdote, anecdote we would tell and say, oh, isn't it funny that somebody didn't understand? For example, we have um, currently up at Matthew Mark's gallery in Los Angeles, there's an exhibition of paintings that sh- from the 70s that are all white with other white elements on it called a rundles. And at the time they were exhibited Nobody understood them. It was a huge controversy. The emperor's new clothes, people <laughs> just, you know, didn't understand them at all. And it was it was terrible. And my mother would say, you know, the criticism to me is like ornithologists are to birds, which I think is a Ed Reinhardt quote. But, you know, th- the way she describes herself, how she explains to somebody else her work, but she doesn't explain it. She was always very reluctant to explain her work. But that episode is exactly the way she was. If you said, well, I don't understand something, she would say, well, step back, collect yourself, close your eyes, open your eyes, and how do you feel? And whatever that initial expression would be like, huh? Or, you know, happy or sad she would say that's your authentic experience and that's all that's all she would hope for in making the work is somebody's authentic reaction to whatever it was so i think the way she describes that whole episode is is so is very much like her and it's it's also her uh, her the sort of mystery of her work that I've never really been able to articulate and the way you get, you're taken aback when you see it. She just describes it so well. I I just think that's a great part of the book.
0: Mm, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. Another part of the book, um, another one of these themes is, as you mentioned, the theme of death. She's older at this point. She loses a number of friends and talks about that and, her sadness is obviously acute but there is behind all of it or seems to me anyway to be behind all of it a a kind of not a steeliness exactly but a kind of fortitude i mean there's no despair that i could see no no tendency toward a depressive reaction to the death of these people with whom she's been very close um we tell me what you think about that you know talk about things that that particularly buoyed her at this point in her life and and also you know how she processed the deaths of of people who were close to her
1: well my mother was always very matter of fact about death uh and I think it was her experience with her mother's death when she was younger that where she had to come to terms with her mother's death. And I think that throughout her life, she she read and she used her mind to... Um, Understand her emotions. And I think that her readings around Taliyar de Chardin, around Gurdjieff, her Bhagavad Gita, uh, the Romans, the Greeks, I think helped her to understand that uh, the way you feel about something and the way you think about something uh, are two different things. Uh, and I think that the way she experienced death, I mean, from the time we were children, she was very matter of fact about death being a fact of life. Uh, and so I think it was her her ability to distinguish between her thoughts and her emotions. And, may, and I think the work uh, came out of her emotional life, but then she made the work physically and took care of the work with her mind, you know, storing it, wrapping it, that kind of thing. Uh, but I think she was and i also she did meditation she followed the teachings of a um of a mystic and she meditated and i think her uh approach to death was just very matter of fact i've ne- i never knew her to be any different than that i think the book just articulates it probably uh uh articulates it in a number of ways because she was older and so many more people were dying mm-hmm. but when our pets would die we would you know matter-of-factly bury them in the backyard you know it was she was very matter-of-fact about death all all of her life i think i guess well,
0: well and and not you know not just in the moments when she's writing about death but when she's writing about you know you and your siblings, her children and her grandchildren, who, you know, make many appearances in the book. Your family seems very close. Um, the way that she's able and her work, of course, mm-hmm. possibly most importantly, the way she approaches everything with this amazing integration of intellect and practicality and emotion. I mean, you know, the the, the way that she conveys her own emotions in her writing is absolutely wonderful. And, you know, spiritual issues, as you, as you say, um, is, is just marvelous. And thank you very much for making the time to talk to us a little bit about the book today.
1: Thank you for having me. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope it was I don't know. I hope it was insightful. <laughs> I don't know. It's, <laughs> thank you. Thank I you found it having. insightful. <laughs> uh, the book again is
0: Yield, the Journal of an Artist by Anne Truitt. It can be purchased now wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening. Please visit us online at YaleBooks.com for more episodes of the podcast, as well as information about this and all the rest of our books.